0: This podcast is brought to you by Glitterati Communications. Learn more about Glitterati at bglitterati.com. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and the designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to a special series of Art Pays Me interviews with the winners of the 2022 Creative Nova Scotia Awards. These awards are presented by Arts Nova Scotia and the Creative Nova Scotia Leadership Council. They are presented annually to celebrate excellence in artistic achievement, notably the Porsche White Prize. Winners of the Prix Grand Prix, the Established Artist, Emerging Artist, Indigenous Artist Recognition, and Black Artist Recognition Awards, as well as the Creative Community Impact Award are also honored. Collectively, the awards are worth $75,000. Visit artsns.ca for information on how you can nominate a Nova Scotia-based artist or apply for awards and grants for yourself. These episodes were co-produced by Heist and Kiki Beats. Let's get into my chat with Established Artist Recognition Award winner Francis Dorsey, who's also a previous guest on the Art Pays Me podcast, if you remember our Craft Pays Me series. First thing I want to do is ask you, who are you? and uh, i guess that would be your name your pronouns and where you're currently based and your artistic medium
1: okay i'm frances dorsey i'm she her i'm based in halifax and my medium is cloth i dye and print and i also weave Okay. and i've also been building paper constructions but it's all sort of fiber related i would say
0: Fa- like paper construction, so like, they're, you're sort of weaving the paper into the...
1: They're actually, um, I built a number of seed forms, three-dimensional seed forms, uh-huh. and they have LEDs in them so they light or flash or change color with the rhythm of the human body so that, wow. um, because I was thinking about seeds as living organisms. And we imagine that they're just little pieces of grit, but actually, you know, some seeds are a thousand years old and they still germinate. So what are they? They're not alive, they're not dead. So I made these imaginary seeds loosely based on, um, you know, microscopic images of actual seeds. Okay. And those were all done with paper, plant-based materials.
0: So I see like a a commonality, and I know you had an exhibition at Dow recently. But you've got these dried plants around you, and there's just you're just talking about the seeds. So, is there a particular story you're trying to tell with this uh, callback to nature?
1: I guess um, I over the years i've been more and more interested in um you know what's under the soil what's on the soil what's growing on the soil the complexity of plant life as compared to human life it's Mm -hmm. much more diverse and um i as i came to see plants as my friends and colleagues and equals Mm um i became i just became more and more interested in you know, what they were and how they look and how they feel and how they interact with um, gravity and wind and so forth.
0: Right. So how did you feel seeing so many plants being damaged throughout this storm that we just recently had?
1: I, think, I feel awful. I feel like um, a certain, you know, life and destruction and decay is a normal process. But um, I feel that we are responsible to some extent for the damage because of the changing climate that is making plants here encounter weather experiences that they, they haven't evolved to deal yeah. with. And um, this landscape is not ready for major scale hurricanes and it's so evident to us you know, every time there's a major storm, it's just like this massive dieback.
0: Yeah. Huh. So how would you uh, say living in Nova Scotia has impacted your art?
1: I, I've i lived here since um, the mid-90s, and before that I lived in Ontario for quite a long time, and we lived in a much more rural situation in Ontario. So I think, Plants have always been of interest, but it's only been since I've been here that i have starting to use um, dyes that come exclusive, exclusively from plants. Okay. Um, and when I s- began to teach at NASCAD, I was very aware that uh, the synthetic chemicals that I used for dyes and some of the materials that I used to weave with were pretty harsh for the environment. So I want, and I felt that you, if you're teaching students who are going to live in the real world of the future, then you need to educate yourself about what kind of sustainable practices might make more sense for them. But also make sure that they understood that um, you know we have choices. Sometimes it has to be. If you were dyeing a theater curtain, you know, for a big for the cone. Um, probably you would use synthetic dyes because the amount of water and other resources would be extensive. But you have to just make your decision, make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. So I started working exclusively myself with plant dyes and plant-based fibers. And um, I have the fortune to live right on the edge of the backlands, the Williams Lake backlands, which um, recently became a wild park nice. and we're now hoping that HRM will zone all of the land behind us to continue to be part of that park because if they do then there will be a large enough area that the bears and bobcats and everybody who lives back there will actually be able to have a sustainable life. There'll be a large enough chunk of land that, that it will continue to be wild, 20 minutes from Halifax, in 50 years, if that is wild, it's going to be such a gift to
2: mm-hmm.
1: everybody who lives around here to have that untouched, basically uncut wilderness. It's a uh, it's a Crowberry, um, Jack Pine particular environment that um, has Developed the way it is over a thousand of years by um, burning. It burns every fifty years or so. We've had we had our fire in the you know in the late 2000 what 2010 something like that. We had a big fire back there. So hopefully we're good for a while. <laughs> but it makes it another good reason to not develop back there because you know you don't build ho- a housing development in a natural burn zone. Uh huh. But I think walking back there and looking at the rocks and looking at the little trickles of water, there's water all over the place, and the trees have really informed um, the work that I'm doing now. The work that I was doing after Portuguese Cove was more about the water and the sky and the horizon line, but I find since living here it's becoming more macro and it's more about you know, the texture of bark, or um, the patterns that bark and grass and earth make, or the little organisms that are underneath.
0: Right. So you you seem like you have almost a very uh, strong interest in science, which actually, I mean, when I think about art, I think the best art comes from someone somewhere where people are sort of deeply interested in exploring something is there a point uh that you can remember when you wanted to become an artist versus say a scientist or something
1: (laughs) yeah i was thinking about that when i was a kid i wanted to be a veterinarian but Mm -hmm. my dad taught at a um a university that had a really strong vet program Mm -hmm. and i used to be able to go and hang out and you know hang around the vet college, and it didn't take me too long to realize that sometimes the animals died, oh, no. sometimes the vets had to do it. So that kind of turned me off. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I would be an architect. But because I like geometry, and I like dimension, and I like gravity, and I like structures. And um, I found, as I took a pre-architecture course, that it was too dry and scratchy.
2: Mm.
1: And I liked cloth a lot, but hadn't imagined, uh, it didn't seem to connect to any way I could imagine to make a living. So I was just sort of fiddling around with cloth on the side and realized that, um, you know, in. The thing about cloth is that it's a structure and it's a geometry, and it's either totally controlled or totally not controlled, but it reacts to gravity without an armature. It's just you know a puddle of stuff on yeah. the floor. But it also has enormous potential for color because the structure, depending on the color of the threads that you're working with. Um, The interaction of color can be so dynamic because the structure is built of the color. And um, I found that quite seductive. So I started to try to teach myself how to weave. And a group of friends and I moved up to Ontario. We were living in Philadelphia and the Vietnam War was happening. We went to Canada, bought ourselves a farm. (laughs)
2: Happy <laughs> <Hippie> life. <laughs> Hippie,
1: yeah. But they were um they had all they were Tyler graduates and I had gone to the University of Pennsylvania, so I was sort of more, you know, the academic type. But I really liked cloth, so I started trying to figure out how to how to actually make this and color this. Eventually went to OCAD OCA as it was then, and um, you know, learned properly how to weave. And uh came to understand that maybe there was some kind of path for myself. Mm -hmm. So I kind of backed into it because it interested me way more than anything else I had encountered.
0: Right. Nice. So is there, when you think back all this time, is there a particular piece of work that really stands out to you that you're particularly proud of, you'd say?
1: I really like this... um, this Moon series, because it's a technical tour de force, mm-hmm. if you know about weaving, because some of it was dyed before it was woven, some of it was dyed after it was woven. It's um, It was a very complex um, s- exercise. Mm-hmm. And I feel that uh, the series does actually um, Catch that sort of moment, you know. It's like the horizon and the moon is half above and half reflected on the water, and it's no place because you never get to the horizon. So it's sort of this um, this imaginary place,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which you can never really get to. And the the compositional form of the circle on you know the square cut in half with a circle plunked on it, um, according to You know the golden mean proportions um, was really pleasing, Mm -hmm. and I think I think these were high. To me, they were they did what I wanted them to do, and that doesn't often happen. You know, (laughs) know. (laughs) usually it's okay. Well, that was a good idea. You know, (laughs) now what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, very familiar with that one. It's nice to actually like the thing that you uh, create.
1: Yes, yeah, it was refreshing. I mean, it, what a novel
0: sensation. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, seeing your, your wonderful studio, you've got like all this sort of stuff around you. Is there a particular thing that you keep around you to keep you inspired? Like what, um, and, and could you explain maybe your creative process and how that works?
1: I guess the things that I keep around me are uh, vary depending on what I pick up or stumble across and um I think my process is that I get very interested in some idea. I've been doing a lot of reading about um the mycocelial life below the soil, yeah, all of the little fungi and lines uh, threads that interconnect all of the trees and other plants. And um, I've been so interested in the um, collegial way that plants live with each other. And they they do fight it out, you know, for territory, but they share and they interact and they communicate and um, it's just so thrilling to think of another... Um, we're so human-centered, mm-hmm. and then occasionally we allow room for other animals, you mm-hmm. know, warm-blooded creatures that look somewhat like us. Yeah. So it's really exciting to think that, this, that we're just one little bit sharing this earth, and that there are many other life systems that are equally complex and equally deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're beautiful, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they're physically beautiful, and they're, sort of they're very eloquent. I find a lot of those images from electron microscopes really eloquent. and um, So I have books upstairs. I, I try to avoid bringing books down here because I w- there's water, sure. <laughs> and stuff. but um looking at electron microscope images of seeds and and plant forms and and I've been studying um, botany and how plants work and you know cool it's way harder to do that on your own than it is sitting in a class but yeah um, that's what I'm trying to do
0: (laughs) nice you ever listen to any music or anything
1: I listen to music and I also listen to CBC talk radio I find that music um, music informs my mood,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: sometimes I want that to be open,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whereas talking CBC um, is sort of a noise in the background, but I don't necessarily have to listen, and it doesn't really emotionally affect me right. that much, because it's words. So, so sometimes I listen to music, and I have everything from um, you know, from classical music to Stefan Grappelli to Brandy Carlyle to, uh, you know, Rose Cousins to mm-hmm. um, whatever. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you've won the uh, Established Artist Recognition Award. Uh, how does this, like, feel for you? This is, what does it mean to you?
1: I feel... Grateful, um, I'm thrilled. Um, it's n- the recognition. I, I was surprised at how much the recognition mattered to me. Mm, I was, yeah. Initially, I thought, oh, some money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can use that. <laughs> but actually, the recognition um, is more important to me than I had really thought about. Well, I hadn't really thought about um, getting the award, if I'm honest. Because, you know, you you put your boats out and occasionally one comes back. Sure. Most of the time they don't. They you know? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> go over the waterfall. Yeah. So I didn't think about it a whole lot. But when I learned that I had one, I was thrilled and I felt honored.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a great great feeling I know what you mean like it's almost that <laughs> disappointment if you don't get it and whatever but that to get it yeah that's cool um, so since you've retired from teaching you've been able to devote a lot more time to your creative process mm-hmm. is there a particular place you see yourself going in five years uh, with your work
1: I hope to keep making my work I have a series of this uh, these Two that are just started are part of a series of 12
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, about the backlands and the just the organic plant life in the backlands. Um, and I, I see myself continuing to make work as long as it's interesting to make work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really interested in um, the three-dimensional seed forms that were at, in the Dal show. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to continue to make those forms with the interaction of the light. Um, I like those. And I've also been really involved in um, gardening and pollinator gardens. So part of the Dow show was establishing a pollinator garden on the campus mm-hmm. um, that is designed around a Mi'kmaq glyph that says, listen to us. Um, and it's a it's a garden that has food for everybody, bugs. Mm. There's strawberries, there's blueberries, there, you know, anybody, cool, any organism who goes in there can eat if they can, you know, whatever they can find. And I like the idea of um, consciously trying to. Uh, you can't rewild something that's been developed sure. to the extent that's been disrupted to the extent that we disrupt. But you can maybe give plants a start to find their own new natural balance by being thoughtful about what plants you put together and what kind of environment you try to set up for them to do their thing. And then they'll just duke it out you know, however they like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, I guess I, I really care about... Um, making the environment more hospitable as it once was mm-hmm. um, for all of the other beings that we share the planet with
0: mm-hmm. i love that your your art is actually turning into or maybe it's always been but like this actual um, contribution to the natural world and, and this world that we're, we're in
1: the the lines about what is art and what isn't art are blurry yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) it's interesting
1: yeah
0: um yeah so i think that's it actually
1: okay that was the last question is that good that's good
0: we didn't get into the hippie commune stuff too much you know know, i don't know if that's
1: for public (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can imagine rural Ontario, all these people with a lot of hair, growing stuff. (laughs) 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 And rural Ontario, yeah, people would just drive along our road and then they'd really slow down, (laughs) (laughs) really, really slowly. Oh, nice,
2: nice. What a time.
0: Thanks for listening to this special episode of Art Pays Me. Just a little reminder, visit artsns.ca to nominate a Nova Scotia-based artist and make sure you apply for a little something-something for yourself. And another shout-out to the wonderful people at Heist and Kiki Beats for making these interviews possible. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.